Mia Uni, Uro Neno Iki, Enra Mia Chibanai, Miyu Yabo. That's the Shipibo translation for Hello Ayahuasca. I'm here tonight to continue with my process. I'm Gox, and welcome to the Miyu Yabo podcast. Taken from the intro Shipibo translation, Miyu Yabo means my process. This is a platform to capture real life ayahuasca healing journeys documenting the highs and lows, and sharing the lessons that arise at the unlikeliest of times and in the unlikeliest of places. My aim is to create a comprehensive library of experiences that will help people who are thinking of embarking on their own personal adventure, or those who are already in it and looking for new perspectives to help them along their way. If you like the following episode, I'd love it if you clicked follow And also, it'd be gratefully appreciated if you would share it with anyone you think might be interested. None of the content within this podcast is intended to encourage the use of illegal substances. Anything discussed in the episodes are for information and educational purposes only, and all opinions expressed are that of the individual. None of the content should be taken as medical advice, and should not be used as a substitute to any psychotherapist, healer, or shaman. Psychedelics should not be used by some individuals, Therefore, always consult a medical professional prior to proceeding with any experience. My guests for this episode are father and son, Bruce and Ian. Now, Bruce discovered the podcast from Lara, who was uh, one of my previous guests. Uh, Her episode was called The Colors of the Chakras. Um, And he contacted me with a written version of his story that he had felt really compelled to share as part of his journey. As he had reached out to me, I saw that this was an opportunity to invite him on as a guest, and he was really keen to accept. So as Bruce had given me his written version of his story, and I'd invited him on, I was torn. I chose not to read his full story, because I didn't want to be influenced uh, during the conversation. and I wanted to just let the whole conversation unfold organically. But something compelled me to read the first paragraph um, and it was very key that I did because it mentioned that Bruce started to walk this path following witnessing the transformation that he had seen in his son when he returned from his first ayahuasca retreat. He'd gone away an angry boy and he had come back full of life and he was so inspired by that. And because there was that element to it, I thought there was a real opportunity to invite Ian on as well so that we could explore that element and how that actually, how the inspiration came for Bruce also to bring in an element of a family connection. A lot of the time we speak about individuals receiving this healing, but a lot of this is generational and the connections that we make with family are also really important. And being able to capture uh, the story about how this family connection uh, was established. Uh, it was re- I just thought it was really important to be able to get a, a really amazing opportunity uh, to be able to have this conversation. The other thing about this episode is that it's one of the first conversations where we really explore a complete healing journey from Bruce's point of view. He got onto the path, he went through his whole process learnt what he needed to learn, he processed what he needed to process, 
and at the end he had the complete resolution and that is such a beautiful thing to be able to capture and I was really honored to be able to facilitate this conversation so I really hope you enjoy it. Bruce thank you so much for reaching out to me um, when you were first um, uh, saying about you, you mentioned a medicine sister uh, on a group and I knew that Lara had said that she'd been messaging uh, that you guys had a had a group together and that you were always contacted contacting each other and I just had a feeling that it might have been Lara uh, and then when you mentioned uh, that it was so that, that was uh, that was really cool that that she's thrown it out there and in a way it, the funny thing is I've been I've been in contact with Lara for ages now and she's uh she's one of my um she's one of my best listeners which is which is amazing I <laughs> she's she's just so cool um she is a cool lady yeah so bringing it, it expanding and and reaching you guys is is really cool and then just when you mentioned that your uh journey had come off the back of Ian's journey I just thought this is a great opportunity to get the connection between the father and the son because I'm sure that this is well it's probably happening quite a lot um but still sure. maybe not as much as you would as what we would hope so in that instance as well it's like I'm not really sure how we want to play this because if we take it in a kind of linear fashion uh, we probably need to speak to Ian first from your journey, how that kind of happened, and then because it then follows on to Bruce's uh, story as well. But again, this this whole thing is not a it's not a linear it's not a linear thing. Uh, we'll just we'll just have to play this kind of conversation by ear. I always say I'm not the best. I'm not an interviewer. I'm just trying to have a conversation and and listen to people's mm-hmm. stories. So so uh, how did you? Uh, Ian, how did you come about it then in the first place, and and when Oof. when was that? Okay, uh, dates are not my best, but I would assume uh, it was seven years ago. Okay, twenty seventeen is when you came back from uh, back Ecuador. Ecuador. Yeah, and and up uh, previous to that point, um, I uh, yeah we grew up in suburban middle class life. Uh, nuclear family, um, but sort of early on in my developmental process, I started to, I would say what you, I was experiencing social anxiety, uh, poor uh, sense of self, uh, depression. By the time I had got into my teens, maybe like grade 10, uh, we go to grade 12 before you graduate here. Um, and uh, I had started to really seriously like abuse cannabis. And then outside of that, I uh, kind of uh, went to university. I was a smart kid. I was honors program, but sort of like spaced out and um, really focused on what was going on with with everyone else instead of focusing on getting my life together. And then I I dropped out of university. I was playing in a metal band, (laughs) a death metal band as a drummer. And and then kind of I hit this point in my life where whatever I was doing wasn't working. I had gone away to school, and when I was at school, I started listening to podcasts. And I think if I was to dive, to bring it all the way back to the beginning, I think it was originally Joe Rogan's podcast, which I think yeah. is a common thread for so many people. 
Joe Rogan and London Real and uh, like characters like Aubrey Marcus. And I just heard of DMT. I never really delved into ayahuasca. Um, I guess I'd had a previous psychedelic experience, but with um, I'd uh, I was quite staunchly anti-drug most of my life, except for alcohol and marijuana. And I'd had an MDMA experience that sort of like opened my eyes to how sort of depressed and um, uh, like myopic I was about how I looked and approached life and a subsequent mushroom experience. So I'd had these sort of like pre-experiences for this, but then as I'd gone to school, the the depression and the, the issues started to really manifest. And then I think it was about when I was 26, I had heard of this yoga school in Ecuador called Durga's Tiger, uh, Durga's uh, Tiger School of Yoga, Tantra, and Shamanism. And I wanted to become a yoga teacher, but I also was really interested in the indigenous component, like uh, Native American shamans. And yeah, I went and did this 500-hour program where two ayahuasca ceremonies were offered. And um, that's kind of where it all started, I guess. So you had two sessions in, uh, two ceremonies. I I had two ceremonies at the yoga school. And then Mm -hmm. after we finished at the yoga school, we went off the beaten path. The the owner of the school knew a very famous female, I believe, quencha shaman. Uh, They called her Mama Celia. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was kind of in the middle of nowhere in Ecuador. So a group of us took a trip to her like jungle hut in the middle of the Amazon and did three more ceremonies. And so there was about five total on that trip, five experiences before I got on the plane and came back. So you did, you, you only went out and you only initially managed to, you only thought you were going to be doing two. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, and then it came out that there was an opportunity to do three more. Um, right. So how, so from a, so what was the theme then of what came out of, those five ceremonies for you and Mm. what was so transformative how did the how did the transformation come about because this is what i always want to delve right into is Mm -hmm. it's it's not just going oh i had a transformative experience and then you move on it's just like what was it what was the transformative experience so that it's like so you can actually so someone can actually listen to it and go oh my god that's like that really makes sense or or that's something to actually teach somebody Sure. Let, we can get right into the psychodynamics and, <laughs> yes. uh, and the the ceremony experiences if, if, if you'd like, and, and I'm more than welcome to be open with that. Yeah. So just before we carry on, um, so yeah, Bruce, I guess my aim for this really is then to cover, it, it's potentially two people's experiences in one, because mm-hmm. if we cover, if you're okay with this, to kind of covers Ian's first, and then how that goes into yours because and then sure. and and then we can focus on your experience if that's okay um but if it turns out that that we get to like two hours time and we and we've hardly got and we're still talking about ian then we maybe we need to do a, maybe we need to do a part <laughs> two at some point so so apologies okay. if apologies if if you're sitting there listening for for a bit but ian ian will have to do some listening later so <laughs> so, no yeah, so so yeah i'm I'm so interested to hear how this transformative experience happened for you, because then it gives us an insight about how Bruce was so inspired uh, to do that, to, to get on the same path. Sure. And, and I would say that, it, that where, like, 
the transformation wasn't just the ayahuasca alone. I think that my experiences at that yoga school were really transformative as well. Like we had a part of the the curriculum was trying to understand like the cosmovision of Amazonian shamans. And we were doing like tobacco ceremonies. We had done sweat lodges. We were doing sort of like dance and ritual. And it was really interesting from my perspective because I come from suburban North American society. You know, I was playing in a death metal band up to a year from there. So I was quite, I would say, calcified. I wasn't very much in my body. I was quite dissociated, had a hard time expressing and feeling emotion. And I think that's what really pushed me into ayahuasca and what, what drove me into that because it felt like it was one of these things that could really sort of crack that shell. I, I couldn't feel my way through it. I had taken antidepressants. I had done like kind of basic therapies, but nothing really, you know, it's like, it's kind of like a, a, a yearning to feel the soul again. So I think it's important to frame it in that greater, like that initial experience was I was at the school doing a lot of like work and yoga and meditation, which helped. And I think it's valuable. Um, at about halfway through about 200 hours, we did our first ceremony um, uh, at the school. Shaman came in. You know, it starts off with Rape, if you're familiar. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't done it, but <laughs> which, I heard about it. So, oh, is that the yeah. one they shoot up your nose? Yeah, yeah, the, the tobacco, and there was a whole lot of the the, the nose and tobacco, and uh, for me, I'm super sensitive to it. So even before the ceremonies would start, I would be almost ill. But there was this part of me that was like, I need to get something from this because I cannot continue my life this way. And we can dive into the first ceremony from then. And there's a whole lot, I guess, that I was hoping for. You know, you're also afraid, too, because you hear it's like, oh, I came all this way. And will it even work? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, what if? So it was this group of, of yoga students and, and we sat and we drank. And, you know, the, the music starts and the shaman's singing. And it was, it was really quite beautiful. And the classic, like, timeline, all of a sudden people begin to purge. And I was kind of left wanting. I was one of the last people in, in the room just sitting. And I was like, oh, great. I came here. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. And then I started to get quite, quite sick. Um, pretty, pretty intense nausea, stomach began to purge and sort of went through this, um, this, this, like, you know, you're also meditating on like ayahuasca, like, teach me like ayahuasca, show me. And, and then that sort of started to escalate. And I started to, you know, you get the both ends phenomenon. And it's sort of like the, I don't know if it's like a submitting process. Like I was having a hard time letting mm -hmm. go. And so it was forcing me to let go. And after I hit my sort of breaking point in the ceremony, I had two visions. And sort of not like not like the closed eye ayahuasca vision, sort of like the like the dream vision. I've always had kind of two different types of experiences. And so in the in the first vision, I am a little boy, like I was four years old, three years old. And I was I was having problems connecting in relationships. Like I was having a hard time, like every romantic relationship I was in, I would feel this sort of numbness and sort of difficulty connecting. And it brought me back to this babysitter I had, this beautiful young girl 
and and it brought me into the feeling of the child's heart and this sort of like expressive non-judgmental love that i had it was sort of like ayahuasca was telling me it's like hey like you're not broken you're not like that that is still there um that's within you and it was it was it was profound right it sort of like was trying to connect me with my heart and the second vision in that same evening i was um i was quite gifted i was quite articulate and uh, ahead for my age as a kid in terms of like performance and musical ability and i had done this performance through the school in elementary school and then i was very a bully mercilessly and they would call me pardon the, the derogatory words but like faggot and you're gay you're a girl you know and and this really like this bullying took on and so it was sort of like ayahuasca opening up to the door as i was asking like why am i so disconnected from myself why do i feel so stuck and lost and it was showing me that like hey like there's these core traumas first of all you're not broken that 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 part of you that can love and feel love is still there still within you still accessible and the second is like showing me how sort of my creative life and like my ability to express myself was really damaged so that was i'd say like the first ceremony which was which is pretty much was a pretty big deal for me and then i still had a whole month after that to sort of integrate it at the school and and in all, honestly that the second ceremony was quite un, the, the the sorry the second ceremony was quite uneventful mm. overall it wasn't until we we uh, we went into the jungle to work with this shaman that things really started to get quite wild on a, on a different level okay now that's that's really interesting. how how long was it between then that second one did you say that and and going out into the about a month oh, oh it was a month so how long did you say you were at the school again? It was a 500-hour training, so two and a half okay, months. Okay, fine, cool. So and then you, so from the second ceremony, you ended up going to. Uh, it was about a month after that that you, uh, that, that that you went off yeah, to that. So, and did you say you went further deep into the jungle for that? So, yes, we did. We we had to go work with like a like a yeah classically trained shaman. Yeah. Uh, the the guy who'd been doing our ceremonies was, I think, more a little bit more Western in orientation. It wasn't like directly tied to the edge as this lady was, and she was profound. Yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, and for like a like a Canadian boy to venture out into the jungle, you know, driving on the back of a truck with a bunch of like women from from Europe, and it was like a huge. It, it wasn't just like. Because I think the thing that people get really caught up with the ayahuasca experiences is, is like is the experience of the ayahuasca, but there's so many things that go along with it, like the adventure and the courage, the change of scenery, and the people you meet along the way. And so, if we want, yeah, we could fast forward um, to to that those 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 last ceremonies. And it's tough because it was it was like uh, over five days. It was every second night so we took one day in between and we we actually went into the jungle to to get our own fresh ayahuasca and brew it too cool so you get so you get further you get further into the jungle and you feel like you're now oh shit i'm well off grid here and 
this is a completely different environment. Oh, and- oh totally, totally. And and one thing that I realized in my in my process is like I I was sort of one of these failure to launch boys, right? One of these middle class suburban kids who's kind of just flailing. And I it, I think it was so necessary that I sort of went on this like ayahuasca scared the shit out of me. Like this whole thing was terrifying. But there was some part of me that knew that that was exactly where I needed to go if I wanted to grow. And so, yeah, like no safe, no seatbelts, yeah. <laughs> you know, deep, deep into the jungle. You don't, you don't know if you're going to get robbed or murdered. And I had heard uh, experiences of like the, those night, those 19 year old Canadian boys who had died. And all of that is on my mind mm. d- doing this. Right. So, so yeah, it was quite the, quite the, yeah, quite the, yeah, adventure in that respect. But it, it was all good. The the shaman, she was really wonderful. She was like this like five foot tall, just powerhouse of a woman. She was so profound to me. Just totally like, what's the word? Like effervescent, just radiating, right? And we had, uh, we yeah, found her, her place. Um, and we were staying in. She had like a main lodge that we were all staying in. We had our little tiny beds with our mosquito nets. And then for ceremonies, she would take us out into the jungle, farther out to the jungle. And there was like a ancestral hut that her family used to do the ceremonies. Mm. Cool. So, <clears throat> so then, how did the how did the theme of this did this set of three ceremonies seem completely new adventure, or was it connected to the previous ones, or was it just kind of like a Opening it, the uh, previous ones are opening it up yeah. to like go. Okay, that's part one done. This is part two. That's that would be a, yeah a real good way to look at it because my like in the second ceremony before I left the jungle, the last ceremony really felt like I come into it just feeling like I wanted to keep what I got, mm. and I was just saying it's like I don't want to lose what I've gotten here. I don't want to go back to my job in the west and 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 sort of be stuck again. And the messaging for my it was just very warm. It was like the divine feminine sort of archetype. Like you're good, you're loved. It's great. You're going to be okay. Off you go to the next chapter. And then I feel like this is where things got pretty intense and scary and quite difficult. And honestly, left me, um, yeah, in a huge uh, space of like questioning and personal development and research after the fact. So it was yeah. I guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah, so there's stage one, and this would be the start stage two, and the three ceremonies that were there. And I guess I yeah, can go into it. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's hard for me with those ex- ceremonies to say, like, what happened at which one. So I'm going to just kind of consider them yeah. all, like, one Yeah, absolutely. Long, I mean, previ- in previous uh, episodes, I've tried to speak to people about individual ceremonies, and some people are happy to talk about individual ceremonies, but some people think of them as, you know, it's like, it's not, it's too trivial to talk about them in a, and an individual thing, and they all just kind of are encompassing. So, so yeah, however you feel best you mm-hmm. want to describe them. So, yeah, totally understand that it's like a theme of the whole of that experience is those three ceremonies and what happened in that experience that brought you home in this changed way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, 
I, I think there was certain events that happened. And this time, yeah, like I said, is we had, we had, a, I feel like at the studio, at the school, the, they were going light on the students, which I think would be wise. If I was running a yoga school and I had a bunch of Westerners mm-hmm. come over, I'd be like, okay, we're going to give them light doses, light ayahuasca. But this shaman did not pull any punches. She did not pull any punches on us. And we had brewed fresh ayahuasca and it was very strong. And we were still doing the raw pay as well. So every ceremony was always marked by nausea and, and vomiting and the whole thing. And um, I think I'll try and do it in, 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 in order. Um, I think the first night was sort of like an introductory experience. And it was one of the times where like, I think a lot of people who've used I because I've, I've done, eight, done 18 ceremonies now. And I think this is the first, this was the first time that it was like the landscape started to come on, you know, like the visions and the sort of like third eye way are, were really present in there, the colors, the kaleidoscope, but was, it was, it started, started at kind of a nice point and then ramped up and I was starting to have like a open eye hallucinations, which was something I'd never experienced before. And it was this sort of experience where I'm, I'm laying on my bed, I'm on my side, I'm trying to sit up, but I'm too nauseous. And I'm looking across the, I guess, the, the local walls, and I could see this sort of black creature crawling across the walls. And I was like, oh, God, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is terrifying. And so trying to hide from it and trying to, trying to hide from this and trying to run from this. And, but you can't hide. You can't run. And I remember and this, this thing, and I'm seeing it go across. And I was like, okay, well, whatever that is, I don't want to, I don't want to see it. Like, whatever. And when it kind of got to this point, eventually we ended up, I saw it. It saw me, and it kind of jumped over the fire and came up came up to my bed and looked at me. And at that point I started screaming and crying. I was pretty terrified. What am I seeing? And this thing like looked into me and I looked into it. And this is going to sound really, really strange, no. but at least the way. No, no, nothing's going to sound <laughs> yeah. strange if, if, if you're initiated. Yeah. Well, because my belief is, is it's, it's like a lot of these things that are being, you're being exposed to are sort of like archetypal and however it's going to be shown to you is going to be shown to you in an image that you can understand so it's like you've heard that like like christian people will drink ayahuasca and see jesus or buddhists will see the buddha because that's the sort of image that's in the psyche that's going to that's going to like create a symbolic understanding and it reminded me of this thing reminded me of Golem mm. from Lord of the mm. Rings. And that opened up a whole ball of war, like, like whole thing after it. But this sort of feeling like this entity that I was experiencing had this same sort of like, um, yeah, like essence of this sort of dark character from the fantasy realm. And it's like, well, what was, what was Golem? He was possessed. Like I was struggling with addiction. You know, that was one of my core problems and willpower. And then to have this thing look into me and to see it. And it was like, what is Golem? He's, it's addiction. It's depression. It's the obsession with power. And so that, that shook me 
that shook me pretty hard. And, 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 and just the fact that I was able to have these open eye hallucinations and sort of experience entities blew me away. And I was kind of left from that ceremony, kind of still rocked. So when that thing jumps over the fire and it's there in your face and you're looking at it, there must have been a point then that you kind of go, you're beyond the kind of, oh, I don't want this anymore. You're there face to face with it. It's there in front of you. And it's like, okay, so it's there, it's not attacking you at that point. Are you the, so you're no. then in this moment that you're just kind of, you're past the whole thing and you're just ex- having this, having this communication yeah. with it. And then how does it disappear? How did that? I, I think at that point, at that point, I was really like really starting to freak out. And the shaman started chanting and drumming. And the one of the helpers came over to me and started like, it's like, hey, like, calm down. It's fine. And that part of the experience sort of ended. Mm. So but it, it was like, the, I think the key thing was like, it was this sort of like, it kind of reminds you of like Nietzsche, where he says, it's like, if you stare into the abyss long enough, it stares back into you. Mm. It was sort of like this mirroring where it felt like it was outside of myself, but it was also from within myself as well. Yeah. Cause I've, so I've spoken to a guy uh, called Rob on a previous episode and he's got a channel called Adeptus Psychonautica. Um, and he does all his own videos about um, psychedelics and, uh, and integration, all that kind of stuff. And there's ones he's specifically talking about, you know, everything that you are seeing, you know, that is you. Um, and it's, right. it's just so interesting to understand that and tune into that from that perspective that, you know, I know we're so terrified of these things. So you see something that's going across and you just kind of want to run away from it because you think it's something else that's wanting to come and attack you. But in a way, if you can see it from the way that it's like, well, actually, that is you. So what is that that's in you? And it's like, you're afraid of yourself. Uh, and it's like, how can you? Well, I guess that's not true. You can't say yourself can't harm you because it definitely can in certain ways. But just seeing it from that point of view, just just when you're describing this thing coming across on the other side, this uh, Rob's words are kind of coming coming back at me, just thinking, oh, you know, well, that's that's part of you and then you it, it's you about sure. to figure out what what that is so right and i think that the like as i integrated onwards you know i started talking about the lord of the rings and, and golem because that's what stuck with me and i started to have to really look at like how like there was this strong element that sort of like sloth in my life like i was really like that was one of my demons mm. Right. And I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to face it. I didn't want to deal with it. So it came and it, it stared me right in the eyes. And, and, and I saw, I saw into myself through it. It was, yeah. And then again, yeah, it just, it was just, it was just so, so absolutely (laughs) and terrifying, you know? Yeah. So, so I would say there was that experience and that same night I sort of saw another entity uh, like a, it was like tall, eight eight feet tall, kind of cloaked, and it was just standing in the maloka with us. And I, I still never to this day really uh, figured out what that was about. But I think it had something to do with the shaman. Like maybe it was there as a protector. Mm. Who knows? Who knows? It's a very strange realm, the ayahuasca land. 
so so yeah that was that was one of the the real key moments of that was it was like finally i'm like i i, I was able to i had to look at that part of myself that i was sort of denying and then i would say the other the the, the ceremony after that was sort of benign more sort of just kind of in the ayahuasca landscape visions and colors and sort of like some downloads you know heart-centric you know inventory of relationships kind of like a, a more simple experience and then the last night came up and at this point i was like i, I don't feel like i've gotten everything that i needed yet. and uh, so i went deep i i took like i'd taken one cup before so i took two and and then I think I'd taken another serving. So I went about as far as I could into medicine with reckless abandon. And it was, yeah, it was it, it was it was a, it was another level of nausea and and vomiting that and 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 physical discomfort that I had not experienced. And I, it was so bad that like I I I couldn't stand, I couldn't move my body. And I really had to. To, to purge and and we had this helper there this girl claire a french girl and i have no idea what anyone's talking about because we're in different languages and she's saying like you need help help I'm like okay and so there's just this experience of it's like every time i would open my eyes it was almost like you're seen into another realm and and it was so discombobulating like i couldn't i couldn't handle that i wasn't ready to see that much i couldn't center myself in it and so she's trying to help me out of this hut and, and I couldn't stand. So she's just putting this lamp on the ground, this white lamp. And I'm just crawling, crawling in the dirt, crawling on the jungle floor, which felt like hours. Every single movement was, took so much will until they brought me out of the, the, the loca. And and uh, and right near the bathroom, and then she just right. <laughs> she's like, oh, "You'll get there." And it was at this experience where where I think it was it was almost um, it, it was one of the more one of the most profound experiences experiences with ayahuasca was I started to feel almost like I was on my hands and knees, and I started to feel like the energies of the earth start to travel up through my body. It was almost like I had connected a circuit. And I could feel these extreme waves of energy coming up through my legs, up through my spine, down my shoulders, and into the earth. It was like, oh, like waves pounding. And it just was, and it was just so intense. Like it was almost like a Kundalini uh, awakening experience. If you've heard yogis talk about it. And this, this, this feeling of, of, of like ethereal energy of something. Something I, I couldn't, I, I, I never thought was real. And I remember hearing a voice saying that this body does not belong to you in that experience. And yeah, and um, it, it, it's, it's, it was, yeah, it was just, it was, it was, it was like all the chakras and all the nadis in my body had just opened up in that moment. And I had this sort of merger with nature and the ayahuasca spirit in a way that I have yet to experience anything else like that in my life. Sort of this is profound energetic experience. And then, yeah, that, that happened and I eventually made my way to the toilet and then I was 
terrified I was going to get eaten by a jaguar as I'm alone in the jungle, you know, <laughs> there was that stuff after that. But it was sort of that experience right there that that I felt like maybe blasted open the, the heart chakra, you know. And then when I uh, and yeah, I think that that was pretty much the end of the third ceremony was that really profound experience there and uh, coming back into it. And then shortly after I had to get back on the plane and I traveled a bit with my friends and, and then got on the plane to go back to mm. Canada to go visit my dad, yeah. visit my family or go back. To so how long was it after that final ceremony? Did you go back? Was there a period of time or was it pretty quick? Oh, it was about four days. Okay, so it was literally like this was the end of the experience. You got a couple of days to go home. It's not. This is the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So were you just kind of like, oh my god, I'm not ready to go. I'm not ready to go back to Real. Oh, I didn't want to go back yeah. at all. No, no, absolutely not. If you'd ask me if I'd had the money and the time and the ability, I would have stayed. Yeah, yeah. I would have tried. To come. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was unlike anything. Yeah, I'd ever experienced, and the the heart opening. It, it almost felt like I was like I, I got in insight into a hidden realm. Yeah. It was it was magical. Mm. It was fundamentally felt really magical. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'd, have you two always been really close? Um, oh, no. So, <laughs> no. I guess. <laughs> oh, you, Are you, you still muted, Dad? You're, you're still, still muted. Sorry, cats and dogs right. are close. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to gauge the scene of saying, okay, so, so you've had this massive experience, potentially not anything like you were even prepared or expecting, uh, and I'm wondering. I was just like, oh, are you coming home? I can't wait to tell my dad about this. Or is it just did did this experience as well bring you closer initially anyway? Um, because this is where this is where it gets interesting as well now because there's very few well i say there's very few who knows how many there are but most parents would say what the hell are you doing get you know sort your, yeah. sort your life out and but to actually come home and tell your dad something like this that then inspires them to go i want a piece of that uh it's like did you come did you come home thinking i've got to tell dad about this or well, there's an interesting through line here um, because like I would say that my like one of the core one of the core problems that that I had is because like our my, our family had moved to where we are now uh, from a way much farther away. So it was just the nuclear family. It was the mother, father, brother and me. And there was no grandparents. There was no aunts and uncles. My father was quite ill really and uh, quite scary and my mother was depressed so for me as a as a person as a child like i had always i never really felt like i had actually had this experience where i had dated a girl and she'd had this really close-knit family structure where everyone gets along and they're all happy and i was like what what is this like it was it was foreign to my bones i didn't even know what i was missing and it was really interesting because this, this character I'm going to mention is kind of polarizing in the modern landscape. But I had listened to a, a Jordan Peterson lecture way back then before he had blown up and become the person he is today. And he was talking about Pinocchio and the story of Pinocchio about how 
he was forced to go and rescue his father from the belly of the whale. And there was these sort of deeper philosophical things I was working through at that time to sort of try and, and be like, like, like on, on a level that I wasn't really aware of, I was trying to figure out, like, how do I fix my family? And I kind of realized through that experience and through the heart opening experience and seeing into my darkness through that sort of demonic entity that it wasn't just like, like that, that, that I'm not the only one who carries these. Like, I'm not the only one who has this kind of darkness. And the darkness that I'm holding was none of my, no fault of my own. I didn't choose it. I inherited it. And there was this courageous spirit where I realized when I came back, I was like, I have to try and fight. And I have to sit through. And I sit through some difficult conversations and really try and listen and and hopefully heal my family. Because I think I also understood is that I would never actually be able to fully heal without my family healing as well. Wow, that's that's yeah. Thank you for that. That's amazing. Um, mm. it's, I th I think this is a great time then to to move over to to Bruce then and say, sure. you know, mm -hmm. so Bruce, what's it like for you uh, to see Ian come back? I take it you knew he was going off at, to do all this. Um, did you know that the ayahuasca was part of the experience of, of the trip? Um, I had no clue what he was okay. doing. Uh, <laughs> he was going out to the jungle and he was going to go take some drug out there and and all that kind of stuff. And I was being the dad, yeah. right? And I thought, well, he's going to go out there and find somebody who's got a bottle of ayahuasca mm -hmm. and have a go at it, right? <laughs> and uh, I just really, I said, after a while, I just gave up all resistance to it. And I said, go, but please be uh, carried along the way. Go in a group, legitimate places, you know. And so I kind of gave up my worries and off he went, you know. So it came back two and a half months later, yeah. I guess. And, uh, totally different yeah. person. So what, so what was that like then? From your point of view then, Bruce, then you, you're going to meet Ian for the first time when he's come back. You're a bit like, oh, you know, what's this going to be like? I guess you'd be a bit like potentially concerned that what the hell's he been up to? But what's, what was that moment like? when you met him and you, I guess that if anything, then may, I guess I'm projecting your answer already, but I guess my interpretation might be that you're going at it, expecting this kind of like negative drama, but kind of then being torn between what you're seeing is completely opposite from that and having to kind of come round to that. Well, that's exactly right, Gord. Uh, I was expecting the sullen, angry mm. boy that had left and uh, this effervescent, uh, like the choice of effervescent kid comes bounding across the uh, the um, the walkways and stuff. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, it didn't even look the same. He, he, look, he didn't even look the same, honestly. And I was just absolutely delighted okay. to see him. I really was. And uh, so he was just bouncing all over the truck and telling me all sorts of stuff. It was really quite, uh, quite delight. Wow. And, and the strange thing about it is our dog had died that morning. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. One of our, uh, it was buddy, wasn't it? Yeah. Or one of our poodles died that, that morning. And then we'd had to put him down that morning 
and then I had to go pick this fella up at, uh, later that day. So, but um, yeah, it was it was quite an experience. Uh, I, I really relished that day. Nice. Um, so did I mean did Ian kind of then offload everything that had happened to you in detail? Or um, was it not quite like that? He uh, he gave me bits and pieces over time. Um, I'm hearing some of them, some of the stuff now, actually. So he didn't tell me everything. Uh, he told me a bunch of things, but uh, he he just kind of let it out in little bits and pieces and this and that. And it, it, was, it was all over the place, really. It was a real mm. smorgasbord of, of ideas and things that he'd said because he was uh, he was very enthusiastic about it. And uh, yeah. it, was, it was really a very good time. Yes. Excellent. I mean, I guess, I, I, I guess it's, I guess it's a really nice moment um, for, for you also to hear new parts of Ian's journey here, uh, mm -hmm. and you know, being able to facil fac facilitate that discussion as well is, yeah. I mean, I'm honoured to be able to do that as well. Um, so again, just you know, th th thank you both of you for coming, coming to this space to share mm -hmm. this. Um, so. How long would it have been for you to start really thinking that this is an option for you? Was Ian trying to convince you to do that, or, or was he like, "You've got to do this. You've got everybody's got to do this," or was it something that you just kind of something just kind of settled with you and you just dr drifted towards that path? Well, a little bit of both, actually. He was he was quite encouraging about me to do it. But I still sat on it for two and a half years mm. before I, I actually did anything of it. Uh, but in the meantime, I had uh, taken, <clears throat> I, I did several mushroom journeys on my own. Um, I would uh, take the, take mushrooms, five grams. Wow. Alone in the dark, uh, no sound mm. in a, mostly in my camper nice. <laughs> uh, camp. Yeah. Out in the bush. So I just do it all by myself. So I did a lot of that. Was this after um, Ian got back or was this just things that you had done in the past? Uh, no, it was after Ian got back. Okay. And then I became interested in the psilocybin and the DMT. And I started reading a lot of books and watching a lot of YouTube videos and Joe Rogan, of course. And, mm. and that crew. so I just kind of slowly got interested in, um, but it was mostly, Pretty much in with uh, psilocybin mushrooms, and very they were very similar to ayahuasca mm. for me. Uh, different in some ways, but very similar in others. So I'd taken three three big doses of this, and I ran into people there and uh, and entities. And there's one thing I talked about um, uh, the crone. Um, I think you probably heard of her. Uh, she she didn't like me very much. And she mm -hmm. told me so. Okay. And she told me I have I should learn how to have some empathy okay. for people. And and uh, she was really not very nice to me at <laughs> all. And I could feel her. She was uh anyway, and so she followed me into Costa Rica in, in twenty twenty. And she was about the same there, just a little different. Okay. Uh, <laughs> she didn't like me there either. When you were coming I mean, when you were coming into this whole path, then were you just did you feel like, oh yeah, I've got this stuff that I'm aware I need to heal? Or were you a, very much a case of, oh, I do, everything's good, nothing, I don't, I don't have any issues? 
Yeah. Oh God, I had lots of issues. Yeah, like, um, it, and I'll more, get into that. It's more about were you aware of those? Um, uh, w w was your consciousness aware of them, or were they kind of not even on your radar? If you know what I mean. I had uh, repressed trauma, mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't know it. Yeah. Right, and that's why I was a big as asshole as I was. Right, because uh, well, that that's what drove it really, and I didn't know, and um, it was, yeah. So um, how do I say that? Yeah, it was it was a it was a tough time. Mm -hmm. um, so you were saying that you um, she, so sorry, I I have to I have to say my ignorance, uh, and who did you say was the entity or the, it was Crohn's? I I call her the Crone. The, and she's she's one of the archetypes in uh she reminds me of 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 a very stern grandmother who doesn't take bullshit from anybody mm. and uh but she does it in a loving way yeah she um and i would consider her um female but in the sense that she's got the female mind but there's no female attributes to her Mm. The, the sexuality, the appearance and stuff like that. She's just, you know, maybe past that part is past for her. She's just a, a really old woman, very wise and no bullshit. Mm. And uh, that was the crone to me. Okay. Uh, some people see her differently. That's. Uh, mm. Do you guys mind? I'm going to interject for a moment because. Please do. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if there's anything that you, that you want to, to contribute, then, mm -hmm. then please do. I'll, I'll unmute myself because one of the things that like when I like over this period of two years, like my, my father and I never really had a relationship, you know, it was very much so separate rooms kind of household. And when I came back, we kind of got into this ritual where we would go and sit in the garage and we would smoke cigars. Mm -hmm. And we started, you know, I think it was uh, Dr. Dr. Miles Neal is a Buddhist psychotherapist. He calls it the long conversation. And we sort of started to undertake this process, the two of us together, where I would sort of share this. And we had conversations about, like, I was saying, I was like, I saw this thing like Golem from the Lord of the Rings. It's like, it was in me and I was it. And I'd say to my dad, and I was like, well, what do you see in yourself? Like, what characters do you, you know? And we started this process of sort of trying to like relate and communicate and get to know one another, sort of in this like, more mythopoetic landscape so as he kind of started to do mushrooms he started to get exposed to this as well so i think that like the crone is is one of the first sort of things that he started to experience in the psychedelic landscape yeah i just wanted to no please tidy that up a bit. thank you that's uh, yeah, that's good ian I, i'd forgotten about that thanks for that ian <laughs> i'll keep going though perfect oh uh, uh well um i was talking about the mushroom ceremony things that I've done before. We talked about the crone, of course. Um, I'm reading from my my story yeah, here. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I met a warrior king mm -hmm. in Central America, and that was a war. Uh, and uh, the monkey people who were his allies—that's <laughs> mm -hmm. a whole another story, I tell you. Uh, and it it's it starts then, it goes into Costa Rica, and it has been since. And um, let's see, one of the. Uh, uh, warrior king in Central America allies the monkey people whom I saw with my eyes and through his um, I didn't know if that was an incarnation or not I 
don't know if I believe in reincarnation. Um, he appeared previously. These are mushroom experiences. Yeah, is, is this mushroom? Yes. I was thinking, is, is this mushrooms or is, is this is this when you're yeah. in uh, Costa Rica? Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I am a little. Uh, anyway, and, a little jumbled. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he he appeared previously in a with a group of others that I call the Dark Council. So I'd been seeing these guys when I did some mushrooms, and there'd be a group of them standing there in the dark, and I could never see their faces. I'd see a little bit of their faces. So I called them the Dark Council, and he was one of them, that guy. And I, I recognized him, and he followed me into Costa Rica, and then that's when the real war started between whatever he, whoever he was fighting and stuff, and uh, his... his about as brutal as a war as you can imagine, you know, with with sticks and spears, and it was awful. And you know, I don't even like talking about it. Tell you the truth, it's as brutal as it gets. So these are and, so sorry. So you are you had these experiences uh, with mushrooms, uh, and yes. there's a theme of it, or almost a story being told, and these stories continue. In your ayahuasca ceremonies, is that what is, is yes. that what we're saying? So something started in a mushroom journey, and something, and it continued. Uh, I mean, was it? I mean, do, do you feel like the mushroom experience then, and the ayahuasca experience is literally a continuation of like almost like pausing something and then pressing play, like. So I, I I mentioned this in one of our sharing circles, and uh, one of the guys said, uh, I said, you know, I, this crone lady doesn't like me, and she didn't like me there, and she didn't like me here, and she said, well, they're friends on Facebook. <laughs> 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 right, that's what he said. He's really funny. Anyway, and so I, I don't know how to answer that question because it, it was just, it, it was right through. You yeah. know, even still, I, I still, I see the guy there i still see him in, in some dreams oh in, and, in dreams uh, as well yeah in dreams yeah yeah so can i interject yeah it's, it's, sure. it, i think it's it's felt like it's like uh it's like i kind of came back with a bit of the elixir and then my dad started to kind of open up his own journey and started to have exposure to this inner landscape of psychedelic phenomena mm -hmm. and i think that like you're kind of getting caught in like the specifics of characters you saw but there's a much greater story there about healing and the sort of self-realization like it felt like like uh, my dad's previous trips were sort of just like preparing him for soltara mm. <laughs> where i think where this is sort of where we the, the kind of transitions into like more like the trauma and the ptsd yeah so you've been for one You've been for one retreat with four ceremonies, is that right? That was your... Me? Yes, you, yep. Yep, Bruce. Uh, no, in 2020, I went on eight ceremonies. Oh. For two weeks in a row. Okay. Four one week and then four the next week. Ah. So it was it was pretty substantial, actually. I guess I was I was wrongly assuming then that that your first retreat was the one that you went on with Lara this year. Um, so that was a that was a second set of uh, retreats. It was actually a third oh, retreat. Oh, it was a third um, retreat, right, okay. Yeah, I, I went um, I, I went to Solterra in 2020. Ah, okay. And did eight ceremonies. And then the following year in July, I did uh, three ceremonies in it near uh, near Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And then I went back in 2022 for seven more. So I'm 18 now. Okay, so you're 18. So, you... so how did the... 
I, I guess from your first retreat then in 2020, how did, was that individual ceremonies with each individual things or was again that a collective, that a collective theme um, of, 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 is it best described as a theme? Yes, actually it is. Um, I, I I wrote about that. And if Could I read a small part of yes, this? Yes, please, thing? yes. It said, um, uh, when I went there, I was trying to recover my life and uh, I didn't know how. And so and instead of asking, how do I recover this? She told me why, right? Mm. Um, so seven of, seven of the eight uh, ceremonies were just pain and humiliation and fear. Uh, I was sick the whole time. I never, ever once threw up, except, well, downloading, yes, but not, not at my mouth. And um, I think that she was trying to get me somewhere to where she could tell me something or show me something, you know, and they were, they were pretty horrible, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, uh, there was one time there she was, uh, <clears throat> well, I'll read it to you. It's easier for me to read it. No, no problem. Uh, only, Oni kept putting faces in front of me, all faces. I knew through the years, all ages, family, former lovers, friends, children, wife, in a non-lingual way, I was saying something to them. At the time, I could remember what I said, but I, I could not remember immediately after. Uh, the faces would respond, but instead of words, I could feel what I feel the effect I had on them. And uh, their faces showed the hurt. Uh, and it just went on and on. Most of two ceremonies, it was like that. And I felt like pretty, pretty awful <laughs> at the end of this. And I think that's when the crone came in and, and said, see, mm. see what you do. You know, she was really, really beaten up on me. And um, so it was So were you saying that it was replaying uh, your behaviors to you to experience your behaviors? Is that what you were saying? Uh, in a way, yeah. I was. It's like I was talking to you, and I'd see your face, and I, I would say something, and your face would respond, but I would feel what you felt, and it wasn't good. It was. It was always hurtful, right? So, there was children in there, you know, and friends from when I was a kid. It was just there was no rhyme or reason, but I. I wish I could remember what I said, but I can't. That's, again, see, now that I'm getting more and more into speaking to so many people, it's like so many of the same things. Are coming out because you know one of my last ones uh, was with Luca, um, and he was talking. Well, he was talking about a lot of his, uh, a lot of his stuff has all been about physical pain uh, or physical healing, but he spoke specifically about how he always thought that he was the best and he was perfect and everything, and he had these visions of when he was having a, an awful argument with somebody and saying terrible things to them, but he felt how they felt. And he was yes. just like, oh, that's not, that's not, it wasn't nice at mm -hmm. all. And just you, yeah. you saying that, uh, it's straight away just going, yeah, these are these, there are these themes that, that, yeah, it's, yeah, it's great to, so I just wanted to just throw that out there for, uh, that it just reminded me immediately of, of that. Actually, I listened to that oh, podcast of yours with Luca, and, and I, I heard exactly what he said. So, yeah, and I was I was identifying with him really. Mm. I sure was. Um, you mentioned about uh, pain and stuff like that, and uh, whatever um, the maestra was around, it was Sylvia in that case. 
Sylvia and Sui, or Sui, I can't remember exactly. My neck and my spine just screamed in pain. I could barely sit up. I really could. And um, uh, he, uh, so I asked the ceremony, you know, the facilitators, can you do anything? So I, I could, you know, I was looking for some serious pain control here. It's, uh, and uh, so they said, just sit where you are. And Sylvia came up to my stretch and said, and she put her put her hands on my head like this, and she's got these little fingernails. Eh? So I could just feel her little fingernails. And she just went like this, and I, and my it, it felt like a, a rope was pulled out from under my right arm, through my chest, and out here of my heart. Mm. It still hurts there. There's still pain there. Believe it or not, it's almost gone. But there was after two over two years, it's still there. Believe it or not, and. Uh, and my palms and stuff started to itch. Like I was going like this and like scratching my feet and itching my palms is very, very physical thing. Um, uh, see, and it was very painful, but I felt so much better after it. You know, I just like, oh, this is what's like not to be in pain. I've been in pain for so long. You know, so I like to think that she opened the window. And then uh, uh, next ceremony, ceremony six. Oh, sorry. So it's just... So you, you were in pain um, oh, yeah. in the ceremony. And was this a, a, yes. like a more intense version of a pain that you felt out in your normal life? Yeah, it was probably two or three, two or three times worse than okay. I would so, feel. So, Actually, it was way worse than that. It was much worse. Okay, so it was a real intensification yeah. of a pain yes. that you previously, that you, that you experienced. And when she did yes. this thing, it was... It, was it drawing the pain out of you? Did you say it? And did you say it was coming out of your heart? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it was like a, it was a rope pulled out from under my arm, like inside my body. Yeah, yeah. Through my chest and out here. And and I don't know what it was. And in that moment, you felt better and experienced what it was like to not have the pain. But yes. But then, when you finished ceremony, was that like the pain coming back, or was it gone? It it left for. It left for a little while, and, and it was like, oh, I felt really good, you know. Mm. And then it kind of creeped back. And is this and the thing that you were saying the, that two years later you still feel it in your heart? Is that what you were saying? I, I, there's a little bit of pain right here. Yeah, but just when I touch it. But it's oh, okay. So from okay, so I'm just trying to tune into what to what you're saying. So the process of this drawing out of you gave you a rawness in your heart. Is that what? was saying yes okay that's exactly right okay yes. and that and that um, that that's almost like a maybe a wound of this leaving you and that wound is still in the process of healing mm -hmm. i think that's correct yes okay yeah thank you i just wanted to just check that check that i, sure. check that I understood sure um let's see where am i okay that that was the maestra. Now, that was, I think that was ceremony four or five or something like that. And, and the next week in ceremony six, because I was there for eight, uh, I, I call it maestro kicked down the door. Yeah. That's what he did. Anyway, I, I lifted my head and I found him staring at me in the dark. Like, there was no music or anything going on. He had done all this thing and he came back because I I was back in pain again. And uh, I was kind of on my knees sort of. And he poured aqua florida mm -hmm. on me down my shoulders across and across a lot of it actually mm -hmm. <laughs> really surprised like half a bottle of that stuff and he went like this that and like this twice 
and it, it felt like a massive, uh, my back cracked. It just, it's like a chiropractic adjustment from your spine to your top of your head. And I just face planted right on the mat. Mm. Um, I, yeah, what else to say? Oh yeah. And what's really strange is all the saliva glands in my mouth opened at once. Mm. And I literally had like a half a mouthful of spit before I hit the ground. Mm. It was, it was just, and I was profusely sweating and I was, but it sure felt good mm. <laughs> in a strange way. Um, uh, see what, yeah. yeah. And he sucked something out of my head and then he took off. And that's, you know, uh, it's funny thing. And, and that was the trigger. Uh, that made me remember what had happened to me. Oh, right? so this, sorry. So this yeah. is, I'm just getting like a, whoa. So this is like a, this is a process of a cleansing and unblocking something that is then giving you, this is what you've forgotten. I, yeah, I'd suppressed it. Yeah. Um, it, um, see, I was 11 years old when this happened, right? And uh, I don't know, where do I start from here, Ian? <laughs> um, go ahead. You're doing great. You're doing great. Okay. Um, I this would is say, a little yeah, hard like, for me sometimes, you know. Sure. Uh, it's still yeah, very close to me. Sometimes I'll get a little well uh, overwhelmed with it. Yeah. But that's it, it, like his the the first ceremonies. I was just going to put a, a true theme. It was sort of like, kind of like my experience of like, like the yoga studio. I've right? been at the yoga school. You're sort of building the self awareness. And what what I what I think we me and my dad both believe is that he was starting to go into this processing of somatic trauma. And unblocking, which ultimately led him to, I think, one of these these final visions. His first time at Sultara, the last ceremony, he sort of got like the the pith of the teaching, which was sort of like uncovering this really traumatic experience that happened in his childhood, which was the the source of his physical pain, his headaches, chronic neck pain, sleep apnea for for his almost entire adult life mm. and i'll let my dad tell his story about that cool so i hope you don't i hope i'm okay i hope you're okay with the probing and stuff that i'm doing uh i hope it's it's not too much and sometimes i don't you know i don't know whether or not it's too much i'm not i'm not i'm not too experienced in all of this so uh i'm just like somebody's come to speak to me so i'm i'm it's Everything's okay for me to ask whatever I want, but he's just like, "Ooh, have I have I overstepped? Yep. Have I overstepped the mark here?" Please don't pull any punches on us. Do not. Okay. Feel bad. We're here to share. We're here to share with full spirit. Perfect. Thank you so much for for, for sharing what you've been sharing so far. Anyway, and I'm already when you said that a second ago about or and then it was almost opened up. I almost had that kind of, oh whoa, something something's coming here. Um, so I'm, a, <laughs> yeah. so, pl so please yeah, continue, please continue when, when you're ready. Actually, it's good that I kind of broke away from that. So, um, the incident came back with me. Uh, I spent initial additional two weeks in, uh, Santa Teresa beach in Costa Rica. And then I came home and this incident stayed with me for six weeks, played over and over and over and over. And it was from when I was 11 years old, right? So the just of it is, is that um, <clears throat> she wanted me to see something that I couldn't see. And uh, 1970, 
mid-August, I guess it was, uh, one of the boys there, we had snuck into a, a gravel pit. It was a hot day. We'd snuck into a gravel pit where we used to go swimming. We'd go swimming nude there because, or yeah, nude because it was just away from the road, right? So we'd just go swim and go home. One of the boys tricked me into diving into a shallow area. And uh, I hit my head. Oh. And that was paralyzed. And I experienced drowning. Oh. I don't know how I got out is the problem. Uh, I rem- uh, What the ayahuasca experience is, it gave me about three or four minutes of scrambled memories um, of what happened. It was awful. And I don't know how I got out. I just, I found myself at the shore and I found myself, uh, um, it was, yeah, it was pretty bad. And the only thing I remember was I, I found myself lying on the ground and all my friends were standing around me laughing at me, right? Because this, pardon the language, uh, asshole, uh, tricked me into diving into a shallow area. He had obscured the water. It was muddy. And it was just a ledge only maybe this deep. And then the deeper water was just two feet over. Mm. And had I died there, I would have been fine. But I hit the ground. And I felt a real snap on my neck. Uh, it felt like it broke. And um, I drowned. I I drowned. And I, I don't remember how. I, obviously, I didn't drown. But I don't remember how I got out. Right, And that's the crux of this whole thing is I don't know. I had to walk five kilometers to get home. I had to get my clothes on. And I remember nothing of it. And uh, it was pretty, pretty bad. You had something to add to you? Well, layer, layer some context because like it was, it was, of course, yeah, being tricked into, into jumping into dangerous water by this bully, right? He but also, he was a bully, right? And then there were your friends there. There were girls there. So you were, and there was no girls? There was, there was no girls there, no. Okay, but no, you we were humiliated had... and abandoned. While yeah. drowning, yeah, and and I think that was like the core that that's what you when you began to realize like oh my god like this is at the I'm core gonna die. of pain, and yeah, but at the core of your psychological and emotional pain that carried with you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean I'd actually got out once and I'd slid back in and I got all scratched up for the gravel. So here's this kid who's just got mud all over his head. He's all scratched from head to toe. He can't move and he's trying to get out of this water. And the only thing that I could move was my feet and I managed to push myself out. Um, otherwise I'd be dead. Yeah. Just, just really that simple, you know? Um, let's see. Uh, go ahead. Uh, so uh, at what point do you think that this memory could have been suppressed to the point that you don't recall it? If you know what I mean, because obviously in in the time, I guess you know it's it, when we look back at, at when we were younger, we just go, oh yeah, it's uh, it's it seems so long ago, and then you have that. But do, do you have any sense about how something like that can be repressed to the point that you have suppressed it and you just can't, you can't even recall it for most of your life? Yeah, I, I think that has a lot to do. I, I read the uh, one of my medicine sisters sent me. Um, um, who's that? You know, the trauma guy, um, Ian. It was, uh, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, the body. No, no, it's, it was the other guy. The uh, oh, Peter Levine, wake, uh, waking the tiger. No, it was 
Dr. Gabor Mate. No, it was the <laughs> podcast guy. I cannot remember his name. It's called Trauma. It oh, Eric Godsey. Eric Godsey. What is trauma, mm-hmm. right? And he, he, he talks about trauma, and there's four basic parts of trauma. It's um, hypervigilance. This is after many years. I'm, I'm 50 years into this thing, right? It's, it's um, the hypervigilance, constriction, disassociation, and helplessness. That was the four key things, and I had them all. Mm. Right. Um, that's how I knew what it was, but I didn't know until last year. So I've been gone at least a year and a half before I even knew this. And then it, everything just the the incident went from a jumbled surreal pile of to actually a story. And I and I start I remembered the whole thing then, right from before I dove in. See, I only remember it after I, when I woke up in the water, and then when I got home. Mm. That's it. And so I remembered the whole thing then, you know, so it's, uh, it was, yeah, it was a very traumatic experience. But the, the key point is, is that like you, you'd kind of come back with the ceremonies with this sort of idea that something had happened to you. But I don't feel, I feel like it took that sort of two year period where you were doing like a lot of work on yourself. You were doing journaling, you were doing writing, you were watching YouTube channels, you were trying to sort of collect this all the pieces together where you understood the story, but it wasn't the end because you still had your last set of ceremonies where I feel like everything sort of um, resolved. Right. So in in a sense, yeah. So in these first ceremonies, when something was revealed was, was the instant and the memory of all of that revealed then, or was he, as what Ian just said just now was, was it that something was about to be revealed and you knew something was coming, but you didn't have the story at that point? Is that what? Yeah. Um, I, I had remembered what happened to that 11-year-old kid right. and uh, and uh, the, the amount of pain that he was in, right? Because in actual fact, I, I had broken my neck. Okay. I had three three cracks in my, back, in my, my neck and uh, some damage between my shoulders because, you know, when you hit the ground from diving five or six feet above the ground, you hit pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. And my neck buckled and my chin hit my chest. That's where it's sore. Uh, That's how it was a very violent smack on the ground. Eh? Um, what did I have here? Uh, let's see. Um, and I think that the point is, the point is to go like to go further though. Right. So like you had this experience, it was almost, but it was like a seed. I felt like, one of our discussion because you hadn't fully processed that trauma the the ayahuasca had given you the 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 inclination that there was something there but in that first set of ceremonies you hadn't really fixed it you hadn't healed that experience it wasn't until your second time at Solterra that you really yeah fully processed it correct that, that, that's right yeah mm-hmm. um uh, it, uh, this is where, and you know, um, let's see, where was I here? Uh, I'd gotten home somehow. I don't really recall how to do it. My mom freaked out. Mm. <laughs> uh, I was so, uh, she just threw me in the tub, gave me some aspirin and sent me to bed. I mean, like I should have been in a trauma center somewhere, <laughs> you know, but that was 1970. Right. And so we just didn't have that type of thing around. It was a little town. Um, 
I did want to say one thing about uh, there is nothing peaceful about peaceful about drowning. Mm. You know, you hear that all the time. There is nothing peaceful about. It. I can't see how anybody could get anything else out of that. Mm. You know, um, let's see. Where am I here? I'm trying to keep in a roughly. Um, yeah, no problem. I mean, again, this is this is your platform to share okay. what whatever you want to share, however however you want to share it. So yeah, there's no. Okay. There's 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 no pressure uh, for for anything here. Okay. Um, by the next day, um, I had repressed this memory, and for fifty years, literally fifty years before I, I remembered it. Right. So then, when it came out, it's like I had to relive this whole thing over and over again. Like, man, this really happened. That guy was trying to kill me. You know, this bully was trying to really, really hurt me, and he could have killed me easily. Um, so there was a lot of that stuff, uh, resentment, anger towards that individual, you know, um, and uh, I just, um, one thing I, um, see what I write here, um, an 11-year-old body has amazing resilience. Uh, I rebounded. Uh, after a couple of days, I stopped coughing up blood and dirt. After a few weeks out, I was more or less normal, you know, more or less. Uh, but I relearned, uh, so I've recently learned the body does keep the score. You know, uh, and I just got used to the pain and stiffness this year. It was just me. It's just the stiffness, pain all my life, you know. Uh, and I call it kind of the hardening because uh, I was kind of a nice kid. <laughs> but I, I became um, defensive and unempathetic and willing to fight. To, you know, I became very defensive, I guess. Uh, somebody said uh, aggressively defensive, and I think that would be probably true hey, Ian. uh you know I, I just i don't back down ever well you know the best offense the best defense is a good offense <laughs> i mean i guess <laughs> go ahead yeah no, i guess it's just that so the 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 friends that were there at the incident that turns out they weren't your friends uh i mean i, bit, I don't want to go down this too too much but i'm just i'm just curious then about did you did you just kind of disassociate with those guys, those people after that, or was it more just like everything just kind of carries on as normal? Um, or was it uh, then... the latter, actually? Yeah, the, the latter. Um, uh, they carried on as normal. Um, that person I'm talking about is was has always been a bully. Mm. He really liked to hurt people, and he was a big guy, bigger than me, and he likes hurting everybody. And I was, you know, uh, that he gave me one concussion. And then he gave me another uh, a little while later. Uh, we were playing boxing in the backyard, and he suckered me, knocked me right out cold. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so he was just a really—he was probably—he uh, might have been the first psychopath I've ever um, witnessed or been around. Of course, he was only twelve, right? So it's kind of hard to judge somebody at that age. But I think he was—he uh, was head for something to be really, really bad. Yeah. Um. um like I said, I, I kind of changed things. There. That that changed me right there when I was eleven, and I that's been, I was nice and sweet, nice kid, and uh, then I became not. Mm. You know, uh, the medicine, the healers. Uh, so it took seven ceremonies to come up to uh, to dislodge that. Uh, Oni was ruthless. I call her. Uh, yet righteous in this painful uh, psychic excavation that laid me bare, 
I was once again on the ground, laying in pain, soaked from head to toe. I even coughed up water, just like I did when I left the left the pit. Uh, my my I was my lungs were full of water, and my stomach was full of water, and I was puking and coughing up this mud and water and stuff. It was uh, she she brought me back there so that I could remember it, and I couldn't remember it. It was so it was so compartmentalized that um, uh, with pain and stuff like that that I couldn't open it. You know, and she had to pry it open. That's when I saw what happened. Right. Yeah. So then you're into the grief, and it, it, like this just happened. You know, I've been hiding this for 50 years. You know, I had my cover stories all all automatic. When somebody said, "Well, why is your neck so sore?" Oh, diving incident when I was a kid, and leave it. Mm. And so I didn't have to go into it, right? And then uh, <clears throat> it wasn't till 25 or 28 years later. I always had a chiropractor and he did an x-ray and he says, so how'd you break your neck? You know, he, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know that it was broken. It, it just, it wasn't dislodged. It was cracked. Three of three of my vertebrae were cracked and it, and he said, Oh, that's, that's why you're hurting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, let's see where I, I was. Um, yeah, that was, I, I like to call that the teachable moment because that's when I figured it out mm-hmm. what had happened. And so that was, yes. Anyway, it is what it is. Um, yeah, she was preparing for something that I couldn't imagine. But yeah, like that—that that kind of does. Like that was the first chapter. You—you mm-hmm. you did these ceremonies. You went through all this somatic release and pain. She cracked mm-hmm. you open like a, and then you mm-hmm. understood. You understood what happened to you. You've broken your neck, and this had created a traumatic imprint that made mm-hmm. you very difficult to 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 handle and be around you know Mm. like very scary very angry um Mm. aggressive you know so for the children and and the partner in the house it was almost like it was almost like tiptoeing around like a like an angry bear you know you didn't want to to uh, to to awaken but i think that's great but i think it would be good if if we go into your the second stage of the the journey yeah Yeah, you're ready for that because okay. that's where things get that's where things get things get really <laughs> juicy. Well, I would say um, at Solterra though, um, the the last ceremony was when things really opened up. Is this the first? Cer- is this the Set. first? Um, the first retreat you're talking about? Yeah. Yes, and it was the last ceremony of that first retreat. Um, uh, I had a vision of um, a, a conduit of golden light like this, and there's Icaros. Um, dancing in the in the in the light, it was beautiful. It was just uh, my impression was that they were uh, at first. I, the echoes appeared like wind chimes, randomly swaying in the wind. But after a moment, they appeared to be vibrating and moving with purpose. Uh, they were very much alive. Uh, uh, some were appeared as stylized animals, some as patterns. Uh, my impression was that they were forming a performing a function of some kind. Uh, like a repair crew or something. And I did feel like something really changed in me and I just couldn't put, put my finger on it. You know, so anyway, that's, that's the last vision on there. Um, uh, the next two years, uh, I've worked very hard at trying to sort this out. I spent a lot of time with Ian and talking about him and his experiences. He's been a great help actually. Um, and, uh, but uh, I worked very hard, but, by August of 20, by August of that year, um, I was still very constricted and disassociated. 
Um, I wasn't really remembering things very well. I had a lot of pain in my body and I had dead spots all over the place. Uh, I had a dead spot from here to the back of my head and it's just like there's numb spots right there. And um, so um, uh, this guy again, he led me to a very good somatic massage therapist. And really she's more like a, she's more like a shaman than a, uh, but she's really good. And uh, see, I was having trouble I was having trouble really discharging the, um, let's see where, discharging the traumatic sense of impact, that the feel of the impact was registered on me. It was there. It just, it was there all the time. And I, now I'm aware of it, right? Because I wasn't aware of it before. And I was still constricted and disassociated. Uh, I was searching. That's when I, this uh, somatic massage therapist, uh, she was really good at it. Um, and she also had a real knack of bringing out memories, uh, memories of my childhood and stuff, really some really sweet ones. Like the first day I walked to my dad, it was in there. Um, um, you know, my mother and all sorts of really beautiful things. And also some things about um, perhaps former lives where I'd been injured or killed um, in these things. Uh, I have a whole bunch of those, I can tell you, but they were, um, you know, if maybe it's family traumas or something like that, age old, um, former lives. I, I'm not sure if I believe that stuff, but I'm starting to. Um, I noticed that um, as a little bit of a segue, all the all the men in my family have injured themselves, their necks. Hmm. My dad, this guy, he fell off a bike. My, my other son, uh, there's seven men in my family and they all have externally caused neck injuries. I was telling my my therapist, or not my therapist, but my massage therapist, I said, you know, every, all seven men in our family have back injuries. And she kind of went spacey for a minute. And she said, you know, I just had a, I had a vision of a whole bunch of people losing their heads. And, uh, and then I just started processing and I started researching. And it turns out, you know, you're probably familiar with the Battle of Flodden. Hmm in in uh, northern scotland there i think it's just on maybe on the inside there well a lot of my family were killed in that battle oh wow because right? we're, we're scottish we're scottish you know we're, we're scots we've been hundreds of something years out of scotland but and a lot of us died in that family a lot of us died there mm. and um, so i think it might be that and i haven't thought about it since so i think we've kind of uncovered that and mm. found out what it was wow. you know Okay, I'm, I'm talking about my massage therapist and uh, mm -hmm. the generational traumas I think we had. I, she she would be pressing a button somewhere, and all of a sudden the guy would show up in there. You know, um, somebody from my past, this guy I talked about who followed me into the Solterra and stuff, and he would show up once in a while, and it was very strange. It was a very odd uh, experience, but it was it was a good experience because once I've seen them, I don't see them again. Mm. You know, so it's like there's a trauma there associated with this. I've looked at it, exposed it, now it's gone. So cleaned, right? And that's you're the so whole idea is get rid of these things. Yeah, you're systematically just going through them. <clears throat> yeah. Um, let's see, where am I? Uh, oh, and this is when, um, oh, where are we? Let me see here. Does she know yeah, what to do it, about them? It's almost, it's, it's almost like the ceremony after the ceremony. You know, you come back and there's this long period of integration and mm -hmm. self-discovery, right? 
so um anyway she had a real knack for doing that and uh, i did a lot of reading a great deal about shock trauma and ptsd and it was very useful in helping me format the incident into a linear event something i could remember instead of a mishmash of things saying eh? mm. and i learned about shock trauma piece uh, see here um uh, I mean, another medicine sister sent me a podcast from Myths of Nature. What is trauma? And it was instrumental in me putting this story together. Just reading Eric Godsey's uh, story, and it's just like, oh, this is there's a physiological cause and effect of this. You know, I was exposed to shock trauma, and I have PTSD. Mm. You know, that's when I knew. I only knew that I've only known this since last summer, so a little over a year, I guess. Eh? So now I got something to work with. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So in February of 2021, I, I took a I took another mush, mushroom trip because I couldn't go back to Solterra because of COVID mm. and travel restrictions, et cetera. And um, so I, I pulled my camper up to the, the end of the campground in the Rockies, and I took five grams of mushrooms. <laughs> in the, but it was a raging snowstorm. It, it's like 60 miles an hour of wind coming across, eh? and um, what they did was there was two very powerful masculine entities uh, that saved <laughs> that saved the boy, and I felt that I was one of them saving myself. Right now, it's not true. That's not what happened. Right. It's so it's like um, she wrote a new ending for me, or or rewrote something. Right. And it changed me really, really well. Um, and it wasn't really for me. I mean, I know the story. It was for the 11-year-old boy that's, you know, at the bottom of the mud hole drowning, right? And what I didn't know is I, I, I don't hear his screams anymore, which is nice, because I've been hearing that for a long time, right? Hearing him screaming into the, into the bubbles. You know, you know that sounds like when you, blow, you talk into the bubbles. That's what I heard for many months, right? So I was really grateful that that, that that was gone. So if you want to fool that kid, you go ahead, <laughs> right? So something had released in me, you know, that he was he was safe. Um, uh, in March of that year, 2021, I was just sitting on my couch, and I had one of those releases again. The I, I kind of I was just feeling really well, and the light in the room changed. It changed from kind of a bluish white, which you'd normally see on a bright sunny day, to kind of yellowy. And I could feel my body go like this, and it just shook. It was like a, a car coming to a stop. You know, you know, the engine kind of runs on a bit. And it was, oh, this is what it's like not to have, be in this state of fear and, and pain all the time. It was a really wonderful feeling. And I thought, that's where I want to be. This is what I want, you know, just to be out of that constricted you know, disassociated state that I've been in for so long, I can't even recall. Um, well, I know how long. Um, I was, it was a moment of bliss. Mm. Was. Let's see. And then July of last year, I attended a three-day ayahuasca ceremony, and uh, I had some pretty strange visions there, too. Uh, um, do you want to hear one of them, or...? Yeah, yeah, no, please. I mean, it, well, this is this is the, the the is this the kind of continuation where the kind of healing kind of starts? Although it sounds yeah. like some of the healings already kind of started anyway. But yes, I, th I think that's true. Um, 
I was, well, you know, and I was, of course, I, when I take this ayahuasca, I'm pouring sweat. Uh, I'm in pain all the time. And, and I, um, let's see here. Uh, yeah. One of them was a, um, this staring out into the blackness and this, this big tube came towards me right in front of me. And it was, it was a fractal. It was a circular fractal. And it had all these amazing designs in it. Have you? Ever, I'm sure you've seen these. Um, it was so complicated. It was beautiful. It's like a passion flower, I would say. And I was looking at this, and it's right in front of me. And then it it split like this and laid on like a road, but it was still a fractal. And there was these creatures coming towards me on it. And I'm kind of back like this, and they were they were spiders. Um, they were spiders that. Um, were constructed of um, like neon tubes, and um, they just ran right into my face. They just just ran and like like this and jumped into my face, and then the vision was over, hmm. just like that. I I don't know what it was. Yeah, it was kind of scary. Hmm. But uh, and then later on, another vision was uh, a stone tablet um, popped up in front of me, and it, had, it was divided in squares. And in each square, there was some sort of Icaro going on. There was the Scottish lion in there, but, mm. you know, that uh, it was there and a bunch of them, they're all moving and they're coming in out of the stone. And there was one there that was a, um, a face in profile. But it was a face like uh, you would see in Central America. They have big noses and, you know, their, their features, you know, like seeing Incas. And it was like that, but he only had one eye and it was it was a tube. And he came right up close to me and he was looking at me like this with, with this tube for an eye. He's looking at me like that. And then he just kind of went away. <laughs> so I don't know what he was doing there, but he was he was keeping an eye on me for something. And so I had three visions there. One was one was not so much, but the other two were pretty profound. Mm. So uh, did they ever present so did those things ever present a meaning to you in that, or was it just a weird thing that was just it was just a strange it's just a strange thing to see, and and that was it. No, it felt like they were doing something, mm. and it felt like a doctor. Look, you know those old glasses that the doctors had in mm. the mirror and the shine. It, it kind of reminded me of that. He was looking at me, and he's trying to assess me or something. I, I can't put a put a finger on it. Yeah. I'm just I'd be guessing. No, it's it's. In, I mean, again, I'm always because I'm such a lot. No, I I actually haven't had any visions. Um, uh, I haven't done. I've, I've had four ceremonies and I haven't had any significant visions. Uh, and my ceremonies were very much a case of, you know, one was, you know, feeling quite a lot of sickness and stuff, but I never purged. Um, but my whole journey has been about anxiety and effectively, I guess, surrender and, and always holding myself back and wanting to kind of step back and but think you can like stick your foot out and dip your toe in and expect to get the full experience so I've had to kind of a lot of my integrating has all been about you know fear and anxiety and, and all that kind of stuff um, and yeah I'm such a head person trying to figure everything out logically and I've spent yeah. so long contemplating it all whilst having some experiences of coming back into my body and much more recently really trying to tune into that that's the key rather than 
trying to figure everything out logically, which is in a way strange that I'm doing this project that's all about talking and analyzing and thinking about things and saying, what does that actually mean? Um, but from as, you know, some of my other guests and stuff, you know, some of them have said, you know, it doesn't, in a way, it's almost like not about trying to associate a meaning with it, because I guess a lot of this is beyond meaning from a logical sense. Um, and it's like actually having, this is the thing, the trust of trusting in the process without having to understand, without having to understand at all. Because uh, I feel like I've got to understand it all. And a lot of the things about this podcast is, is generally about trying to, what can we understand? Um, and whilst there's some things that we can understand and we can share, a lot of it, I guess, is also us coming to terms with the fact that we don't need to understand at all. Um, which is why I guess it's interesting knowing about your your visions and stuff and saying, okay, does that actually present itself with a meaning? Uh, but then again, does it matter? Sometimes you can say, does it matter what the meaning is? Maybe something will be happening that you don't need to know about. Oh, no, that's good. Appreciate that. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, and I, one thing about those three days is I burned and shook and perspired really heavily for three days straight. I literally, sh like, five pounds shook off. and I never ate anything hardly. And, uh, and, um, I call her Shamanka because she's Finnish and it's a name for a shaman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. So she thought it was pain leaving as anger. And I'd had a big blow up too at one of the book there, real angry blow up about nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, she thought it was pain leaving as anger. Yeah. And, you know, she's usually right. Mm -hmm. so, uh, anyway, so that was, that was that one. So now we're in 2022. Right. Okay. Uh, February 2022, I went back to Solterra for seven ceremonies, three one week, four the next. Um, but I didn't really even make it through the first Vomitivo. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I said, here's what I wrote. Uh, I was given a startling re revelation during the first Vomitivo before I'd even taken the medicine. Mm. Um the vomitivo as was as expected. I I can't vomit. I I just can't. I, I could be full up to here with my fingers splashing around in the liquid, and I still won't throw it. Um, uh, holding that much fluid is really uncomfortable for a couple hours while your before your kidneys do the job on it, right? Mm. So, I was drinking the lemongrass tea, and I had a waking vision of myself lying at the bottom of this gravel pit. Oh. Yeah, it was waking, like Ian's waking. I've never had waking ones like this fella. But um, what I was doing there, I was drinking the lemongrass tea and had a waking vision of myself lying down. Uh, what I was trying to do was save myself further humiliation unsuccessfully, uh, trying not to vomit in front of my friends as they laughed at me. Hmm. That's where the PTSD started, because I held it in. I swallowed it. I had an image of the teeth of an excavator, you know what a backhoe is, I don't know what you name them, hmm. a backhoe, into my thoughts. And the coach asked me what I said, and I said humiliation before I even thought about it. You know, she was a really good coach, but I can't, I cannot throw up. I've probably only thrown up in my life a couple of dozen times, and I have to be really sick to do so. Um, so anyway, that was before the, the ceremony started, and the first Sorry. So, so, so you drank all 
the lemongrass, um, mm-hmm. but nothing came, and you just had to stop, and you just you, it, to, it wasn't possible. You just had to say sorry. It's not. It's not going to come. No, oh. and that's when I had the vision, and she asked me about it, mm. and so I told her. She was re- she was really on. She was on point. She really had. A, you know, how do you feel? And I said humiliated. Right. So that kind of made me think. These key words started popping in. Right. So um, <clears throat> I was really rattled. To tell you the truth. Um, the first three ceremonies. The first week was basically a write-off. I I took increasing doses. You know, I can't remember what they were. They had different size glasses then. Small, medium, large, right? So I, mm-hmm. I drank one of uh, one of each of those, the first three, like increasing doses every time. I, I don't remember what the number was, but it was quite a bit. Um, so nothing really happened. I saw a couple of gargoyles in there that I, I didn't want to talk about, so talk to. They looked kind of angry, so I, I opened my eyes and I can get rid of them. But um, let's see, right, except right at the back, at the end of this whole thing, uh, a banner well, actually, some lettering appeared at the, behind it. was in red, red lettering. And it was, looked like some sort of writing that I couldn't understand, maybe hieroglyphics or something of that sort. But a banner started going across, and like a marquee. And it was full of Roman numeral, Roman numeral capital consonants. There was no vowels. There was no numbers and everything. And I'm looking at this, and I, I can't really read it, but I knew what it said, which is odd. And it would have said... Because I was really freaked out. This was when all that trouble in Canada was going on, too. Remember with the trucker strike and mm. all that stuff and uh, all that. I was pretty upset about that. So that didn't help either. And But the banner said, we cannot communicate with you if you are not calm. Right. And I was wired. Right. So they were telling me, we can't talk to you unless you, <laughs> unless you calm down. Mm. Right. So that was the first week of 2022. So th- um, this was the extent of your visions and stuff in that first week. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, apparently, I had lots of visions. Apparently. So, in the four, it would be the fourth ceremony, the first one of the following week. So, ceremony four, my intention was how, how do how do I be calm? You know, teach me how to be calm. But shortly after taking the medicine, I began to be very fearful for this eleven-year-old boy. I, I, I didn't, I didn't want him to be drowned again. I didn't want him to go through that again. Right, so um, I began flailing like a fish on the ground, uh, on the on my mat. I, my arms were tucked like this. And I was flopping around and like this, uh, like I was flopping around like a fish, honestly. And uh, it was I was had a lot of pain in my spine again. Uh, after the maestro purge, after after the maestro sang to me, I had the purge and I I kind of I got up, fine. I made it out to the walkway. Down I went, collapsed on the on the walk on the walkway, and so one of the facilitators and one of the a burly Costa Rican security guards picked me up and brought me to the toilet and plunked me down and um, I purged um, and I had, had a puke bucket in my between my knees and sitting on the toilet and uh, and just letting it rip and I still didn't throw up. Mm. So I I um, after I was done I. They helped me back to my mat, and I, I, I got on my mat, and I fell asleep right away. Uh, I fell asleep. Uh, let's see what I put there. I was burning hot. I really was. The, oh, I know. Uh, while I was sitting on the toilet, he said I was so hot that he he was he was worried because so he's taking water out of the sink and putting it on my back and my head because I was so hot. 
and it would just flash almost to nothing. Um, held me back inside. I got back on, and after a while, I dried off. I cooled down, and I I, I dried, and I was felt really normal. But I felt like uh, what they say. I felt like a I was as content as a baby listening to his mama's heartbeat. Mm. It was just a, a wonderful moment of bliss. You know, just I felt really good. Um, the next day, uh, this the same facilitator who was helping me there, he said that he had witnessed another guy in his experiences shake like a flail like I did. He said uh, he had caught in his arm, caught in a piece of machinery and, and it pulled into a piece of machinery and remained stuck there for several hours. And he said he reminded me of a guy that that happened to, mm. right? So kind of the, the shaking and floundering, he said that's kind of, that's trauma. That's that's what trauma does say. That's how it comes out. Um, <clears throat> this is where I this is where I remembered everything. I remembered the whole thing. Instead of the three or four minutes of that of the incident, I I I I, I figured it out, and the story had come together. I remembered it all now. My boy, who I call him, uh, found his way out by following excavator teeth marks on the bottom of the pit. That's how he found his way out. Totally unconscious. Darkness had come already. Thought he was dead, but he got out. Mm. I, I don't know how that happens, but I, I've, it was, you know, the teeth marks are kind of like this, right? Well, I had my elbows in them and I, I could get just enough out of the water to, to be able to breathe, right? So um, given the, the state I was in, the paralysis, I, any other direction, I would have been dead mm. for sure. Because every other direction was deeper than the, couple of, you know, even this much would probably would have killed me because I couldn't move, right? I would be breathing water. So anyway, he pushed himself out again with his feet. That's all he, that's all he could move, just the feet, just pushed him out, right? So, um, so anyway, I remembered everything. And uh, the collapse outside the Maloka uh, was an analog of what really happened in life. Uh, he'd collapsed several times on the way home. Uh, I remembered it all then, even into the next day. I remember it now. Uh, he was also not going to let his mom undress him and bathe him either. No, he lost that fight. So um, she cleaned me up, put me to bed. Um, that night was real agony. Uh, the incident replayed itself over and over and over. The shock of impact, the, the pain, uh, drowning is never fun. Nausea, fever. I even had blood in my pillow, you know, from my nose were bleeding through the night. And uh, I went outside the next day. Um, uh, and my hands were still numb. My feet were still numb. Uh, my ears were ringing still, you know, actually they're roaring. They weren't ringing. And, uh, I just stood out there and I, I couldn't play with my brothers. It was a hot, sunny day. And I was just standing there and my nose started to bleed again. Just like, I looked, I could, I can look down and I can see the blood dripping on the grass. Right. And I just, you know, I had to get up. So right about then the volume went down. Like it was roaring, and then it went down, and much of the pain went away. Not all of it; it's most of it. And it went with the sound of a kind of a malevolent voice that I still can't hear. That I still don't know what it was saying, but it was it was it was nasty, and it was it's like taunting me, you know. Um, but it went away. Um, I went back to bed that day. It was you know probably noon or so. Um, I don't ever recall thinking about it again. Uh, except this, I told, except to tell my cover story, 
I mentioned that earlier. Uh, when conversation got close to it, I just automatically make up a story about it. I didn't want to talk about it and didn't want to think about it. And I never mentioned drowning to anybody, not, not a single person in my entire life. Uh, it's, it stayed in the box. <laughs> it was also in that uh, dark shadow I've been aware of all my life. It's kind of it's kind of here. It, it's, it feels like a, somebody's swinging a baseball bat at me, to tell you the truth. And it's malevolent, and it's um, it's not there anymore, thank God. But it was there probably for two years after I started figuring this out. And I figured that's that's kind of the moment that uh, that's when the encapsulation happened. That's when the repression happened. Uh, you know, uh, the I'm kind of reading some other stuff here, but the instinct for immediate preservation of life took over. Uh, it was a poor bargain in the long run, but it was to protect a, a boy from being uh, further overwhelmed by immense. He couldn't, he wasn't strong enough. Uh, 52 years of PTSD. That's what it gave me. Um, back to 2022, um, uh, the shaking, flailing, all that heat that was coming out of my body was a discharge of the remaining trapped trauma. Uh, this is what I feel it was. It's a massive amount of heat came out of me. It just is unbelievable. I didn't think a body could get that hot. Uh, Oni again, Uni, uh, she created an analog of actual trauma and allowed it to be to be discharged. To be discharged. I literally shook it off when I was flopping around on the ground, and that's when the facility said, "Well, oh, that's that's trauma." They knew they've seen this before, right? Um, so basically. 52 years ago, an 11-year-old had blocked the physiological re release of traumatic energy and held it in because he simulated. Uh, that's how PTSD is caused. That's precisely how that happens, right? The holding in, blocking of that release, and that's what happened to me. I, I took a little excerpt out of um, that trauma thing again, Eric Godsey's, and it says this. It says... Uh, during life-threatening danger of traumatic events, the body will release a powerful mixture of chemicals and hormones to perform whatever action is required to preserve life. Uh, mothers have been known to lift vehicles off baby carriages with that, that energy. Uh, fight, flight, or freeze if the freeze response is chosen and much. Or if our flight or fight response blocked, this powerful instinctual response to a life-threatening stimulus stays activated for weeks, months, years, even decades. You know, and that's that's how I got this. You know, if you want to ask, this would be a good time to ask a question if you have one. Ian's got some. Yeah, do you mind if I do you mind if I interject? Please. Yeah, because it was like because it's just like the story, right? So like you go to the ayahuasca, you have this repressed, you have this experience of opening up to what could be, and then this sort of subsequent integration process education, understanding this link between the psyche and the body and developing that relationship. And then those final ceremonies, truly the full experience to see the whole story, to truly discharge it. Um, and then I don't think you got to the point yet, though, is like you've kind of gone through the experience of what happened to you and how you understood, but you never got to the celebration, <laughs> right? I'm sorry, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I'm getting to that. Uh, just it's near the end here. <laughs> so the next week, uh, three, the first week, four. Anyway, so I'm on 
number five ceremony now. It was uneventful of any kind. It was just a take the take the drug, feel kind of crappy, and you know go home later on. That was that was about it for me. Um, but on the third in the like in the third ceremony, I'd received that message: we cannot communicate with you unless you are calm. So going into the next one was teach me how to be calm. And so ceremony six comes along and it was a pretty much a blast off. And there was an elliptical shaped um, arch. You ever been to a Catholic church? Sometimes they're shaped like this. Mm. I grew up in a Catholic church. So, and, you know, and there was uh, a woman sitting in the bottom that she was, she was in her, uh, you know, clothing like this. You could see her, her, her body in, in some sort of shawl, but she had the face of a fox. And, um, Everything was shades of gray. Uh, there was this large bush above her. And uh, so I thought, well, I might as well dive into that. So <laughs> I dove into this. And uh, the other side was colors, reds, greens, blues, absolutely astonishing colors. I was in this golden field of light. And these these images were coming at you. I call it the energy stream, for lack of a better word. Many shapes. They would morph into one, then they morph into another and another. Uh, there was organic, geometric, fractal, mechanical patterns, just extraordinary complexity. I can't even describe them. Um, as I moved through the through this stream, I was moving. There was uh, orchids on the, they were bright yellow to my left. <laughs> this is where it gets weird. And they were giving birth to squids. Um, <laughs> that's what I expected actually. Yeah. So they're giving birth to squid. Like, they weren't really squid. They're kind of like cartoonized squid, mm. right? So the uh, oh, here it was it was erotic, phallic, and sensual. Trust me. Uh, and the orchids <laughs> blushed red as they ejected these squid. So I was watching this in utter amazement, and then a large squid came up from the bottom from deep and sat right in front of me and its eye was sitting right here and it was doing the same thing again. It was looking at me like this, say, and looking, kind of looking above me. And it was just like that stone tube, exactly the same way, unblinking. It paused for a moment and it scanned me and it turned the other way. So I could see the, the beak, the mouth, the tentacles, and it, and it said, it said, as if in a, to hammer home a point, it said in a stern voice, it's not your fault. You didn't do this to yourself. And it swam away. Uh, so I broke down because I carried a burden of shame and guilt for people that I love, people I've harmed, you know, um, and my own loss of self too, you know. Um, I needed the... I needed to be forgiven, and and uh, I received grace from a squid. You know, I I, I I had been given something I didn't ask for, uh, I didn't deserve, and I could never earn. You know, it was grace. So the journey continued um, with more orchids birthing more squids, which moved along me. I'm not missing the sexual connotation here. <laughs> Um, I was in a school of squid, and they said to me, calm must be cultivated. Lower your voice when speaking and get a plant. 
And I said, what the fuck? What do you mean a plant? And he said, a squid just told me to get a plant, right? So I went from crying my eyes out to hilariously laughing, right? And just like this. It was really, really funny. It was, it was hilarious. So, so anyway, go ahead, Ian. Well, it's so funny because if you kind of like, we never had a garden ever growing up now. And if you come to our, our house in Canada, there's this beautiful garden starting to grow in the backyard. So he definitely took a, took the lesson from the squids to heart. <laughs> so you turned into a gardener. Yeah, a little bit. I used to be a gardener, but okay. I, I just got back into it this year. And, you know, I was at least buy a plant. So I bought a couple plants and they're on my, you know, so I'm looking after them now. So uh, good advice. Lower your voice when speaking, because I tend to have a loud voice. And if you speak loudly to people, it, it can be, you know, hard on them, right? They take it as aggression. So um, I did, I did buy a plant. Then I, I put a little something in here from Eric Godsey again. I said, there's nothing shameful about how you responded to your trauma. You're not worthless, bad, broken, bad, dirty, useless, evil, or any other objective, objective you can think of. You're a human being who's injured and you've not been properly diagnosed or treated. That's, you know, uh, you probably haven't been given effective healing tools and have been raised in a culture that fundamentally does not understand trauma and it can be healed. So, so, um, okay, the last vision now, mm. uh, ceremony seven in this case, uh, the medicine came on so quick, they weren't even singing yet. I take my drug, I went back to my thing, and boom, it happened. Um, there, there appeared to me, in front of me, rows of creatures, three rows. They were almost like they're sitting on bleachers. And uh, I later understood them to be chimera, uh, right out of Greek mythology. If you Google Greek mythology, you'll see these guys, or versions of them in there. They were extraordinary. Some had massive horns, uh, feathered dragons, snakes for tails. Um, some were horse-like, and they had big horns growing out of the side of their face. And uh, I was kind of scared of them at first, to tell you the truth. Um, so they were just kind of sitting around there, kind of looking at me a little bit like this. And, and I was frightened of them when I realized the shaman are here to protect me anyway, right? So I said, okay, are you my friends? I asked them. And they erupted. <laughs> they were. They started. They put their hands, hooves, whatever in the air, whatever they were attached to, and they started swinging like this, swing, and singing. And I can't hear what they said. And I said, "Yes." I said, "Are you?" Wait, wait, wait. we're over here. Oh, I, they were very happy. I could see them, and I said, "They said yes. We are your friends and allies." And we've been waiting for you. I fell into unison with them, and uh, it just kind of went on for a while. Um, as the maestro came closer, the vision faded, and his songs started taking over the vision. And finally, when it was just him in front of me, then that's all. I didn't see the vision anymore. But I was really grateful for these creatures, because uh, I think they were kind of exactly what they said they were. They're my friends. Mm. They, they know everything about me, and they're just happy for me. You know, um, and uh, let's see here. Um, they've been watching a movie of my life all along. I'm no longer in the grip of PTSD. My body moves effortlessly and without pain. And I'm going in the final quarter of my life optimistic and feeling pretty good. 
about the whole situation. Here I am. <laughs> wow. Um, so do you find that final ceremony, whilst this is always a, it's a lifelong thing, but do you feel yes. that that was a closure to all of that, that you could walk away from what was holding you back? Was that like yes. a case of this is it's 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 done as much as done can be, but it's more like now mm -hmm. I'm just comfortable just moving forward and I've done my work and I'm finished with that bit. If with that, you know, you, you can never say you're finished, but there's the res there's the full resolution there that you can go i've i can move on now yes that's exactly true now I, I i still recognize i have work to do but i think the root of the problem has been found and identified and it was because i i the PTSD, it was it was what caused the ptsd in the first place it, it's the holding back of that energy that it's supposed to be dissipated and it wasn't you know just like a these people who, you know, people in wars are still remember the day they landed on Normandy, just like it was yesterday, right? So that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I, feel, I feel pretty good overall. I'm optimistic about my future now. I'm 60, I'll be 63 this year. I have maybe 20, 20 more years of good, good life, or 20, 20 some, you know, yeah. so I'm looking forward to it. Wow. That's like... I'm so grateful you two come into this, come into the plate to share this has been amazing. I, I really had no idea how this was going to work for the first time there being two um, uh, people with it. And Ian, you've helped so much as well in bringing in, you've helped me facilitate this conversation in a way that I wouldn't have been able to do that. That's been so it's been so great having having you there and having the whole thing and having the thing with the two of you um, and being able you know, imagine if we did this last year like you would be in the middle of it and there wouldn't be the full story to tell um, and getting getting the chance to capture the full story um, has you know it's, it's been an honor of mine uh, and Thank you so much for wanting to bring this. Everybody that has been, you know, this is, I don't know, this is like number 18 or 19 uh, that I've, I've managed to get since starting at the end of last year. So I'm so grateful for the amount of people that are wanting to kind of come forward. Um, and everybody's story is so unique whilst there are the interesting, you know, uh, pathways that cross and stuff of people's different journeys for the same things but it's been it, like I said I, I wasn't sure how this was going to go I was a little bit nervous about how it could uh, play itself out um, but I, I just think it's been so I just think it's been so great um, and I hope the chance for the two of you as well have have been able to discuss things that maybe haven't been discussed uh, as well. Like Bruce, you were saying some of the things that Ian was saying at the beginning was was kind of new to you, and to be able to have this concession as a container to to capture that is 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 great. 
I'm actually yeah. quite very grateful too, um, because I, I needed a place um, to close this yeah. this whole episode. I need, and part of the the hero's journey, of course, is you you come back to your your tribe and you tell them the story. I haven't really had an opportunity to do that. Yeah, you know, to you know, Ian knows that I, he's written he's read my stuff, but almost nobody else has. Uh, a few people from my met my my group in Solterra, you know, they've been really good. Ian's been great, uh, but most of the people, they just don't want to hear it. Really, yeah. You know, they don't. Like, it, the, the whole the whole story about ayahuasca and you know, you're yeah. crazy, and you know, it's just you can't explain it to people. But Ian has been there, so yeah. Anyway, I'm grateful too, and thank you very much. Yeah, and I wanted to say the same thing. Like, truly, it's like one of the things that I think outside of the ayahuasca ceremonies that is so truly healing is is something that we are missing in the western culture for sure is is this feeling of being able to be fully vulnerable and be seen so i i I truly love like you're you doing this is so healing for so many people because not only do do we get to of course process in a different way but by sharing our stories they become real and they if and they they're offered the opportunity to reflect it back to us. So it's just truly an honor, and it's this truly helped really healing for our family as well. Yeah. So I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Sure. Thank you. I mean, like as soon as you reached out to me, Bruce, it's like somebody coming to me to say I found this, however they found it. And I know that you were trying to offer your story and stuff, and I'm just like, we've, we've got to do this, um, and and having the opportunity to do it, and I'm just spending time, um, I'm, I'm spending time growing the audience now as well, and but it's also about you know people find it in their own way, and the right people need to find it. I'm edging closer to a hundred followers on a, on Spotify now, so it's 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 moving in it's moving in the right direction, and hopefully it'll start to uh, it'll start to kind of maybe grow grow in pace and stuff. And but yeah, the response of of people wanting to come forward with it, and some people have reached out to me to say uh, that well, like Lara was one of them when she kind of found it. Um, and she just wanted to reach out and say, I'm really enjoying these. And I think she found it just before she was going. Or with, no, I think she maybe found it when she was out in Sultara. And then straight away, I'm just like, do you want to come on? Uh, and, and she's just like, oh, let me think about it. And then she came on. And it's, and yeah, it's it's just it's just so cool hearing. Because I don't have the, the amount of people that I can speak to about it and stuff. And... And I've and I've gone through my anxiety journeys, and I've done a, I've done an episode for my story as well, um, and you know, kind of going through it all. And, and I know I'm locked into my avenues and my paths of way I've been figuring it all out for myself. But you're kind of contained in your own little bubble, and actually reaching out and getting everybody else's just gives you so many different perspectives that you could never have never realize and then you just makes you just go oh that that's that's helpful for that and um yeah it's just it's i'm so pleased i started this project because and yeah the people that are 
yeah and great and grateful to you too i think you're doing a great job thank you very much ah yes <laughs> <laughs> and you got to talk to some rural canadians here too <laughs> but another thing i wanted to say is that you know it's amazing to see the relationship between the two of you uh, and that's special that you've got that um and he's a, he's a great kid yeah and <laughs> and, and you're really lucky because because i don't have my dad um i i i came up when he was dying cancer um and that's what and and again i never had any relationship with him because he was he was angry and 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 repressed and and he couldn't express anything and i managed to be with him for four months i came up here he asked me he effectively asked me to come up to basically without asking as such he asked me he was on his own at the time and he i was kind of in a transition i was kind of lost where i was going to be um and then he basically asked me to come up to be with him and i knew why he was asking me and we had four months together where in a way it was like the best four months i've ever had with him we never really spoke about anything and i sometimes i think it would have been better if we could but at the time it didn't matter we were just there and we had to do what we had to do um but i never got the opportunity i can't have that uh with him and you two having that ability is just is really really wonderful and seeing you two connecting and and having that is is really special uh, and i i don't need to urge you to continue it because you are um but i'm just saying it's it's really wonderful to see that thank you yeah thank you so much and and last thing to say though is we didn't even get to finish the whole story truly <laughs> <laughs> i still have i still have uh, 12 ceremonies to get you through but that's for that's for another time my friend do you want to have a separate session that we can kind of go further into we could definitely do that but i really felt like what i wanted to bring to this story was was this like the father son dynamic i felt like that'd be so healing for people to see that like that you can you can do this sort of work you can get the wisdom of this medicine mm -hmm. and it works on you but not just you yeah it'll come back and it can yeah. change things for everyone truly yeah because bruce reached out to me and initially i was just like we're going to have a conversation i was trying to to entice him to have the conversation <laughs> with me and i'm I didn't want to read a story which it sent me, but I'm glad I read the first paragraph which mentioned you and the influence on him and what I what my vision for this episode was how your initial experience brought it to to Bruce um without saying oh the rest of your experience isn't interesting <laughs> no I'm not I didn't say that at, at all but 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 from the context of of this of this episode bringing you in to have that father son dynamic i th i i believe that we've well, we we've definitely we've definitely nailed it with that so um yeah 
it's it's amazing. So I'm really looking forward to releasing this because it's it's such a each one is new, and this is a this is a really special one with a real different dynamic to it. Being able to capture that, so glad we could help. Thank you so much. Thank what you. an honor. Very much. <laughs> have a and have have a gr- have a great rest of the day. So, and I'll, I'll I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Okay. Thank you very See much. You. Bye. Bye. Thanks for making it through to the end. I really hope you enjoyed the content and managed to get something out of it. Remember, if you liked it, I'd love it if you clicked follow to be notified of future episodes. And also, it would be gratefully appreciated if you would share it with anyone you think might be interested. Hope to see you again.